So for if you're a, whoa, <laughs> the voice of the Lord is coming today. All right. If, um, if you're a guest today or just haven't been, been here recently, that is a clip from our Let's Go podcast that we're doing this summer where we have celebrators, people who are part of our church, and they're telling their stories of how they're going in the name of Jesus and what they're doing. And it has just been awesome to hear about the different ways people from all sorts of ages are going to their worlds where they live and work and go to school and where they do and and how they're doing it in the name of Jesus because we want to be gathering to go with the presence of Jesus, gathering to go to bring Jesus and the good news that he, he brings to us to people. And so that's what that is. So if you go to our website, you can find our podcast and you can hear the whole interview uh, with Judd and Jamie or look, look at past, watch or listen to uh, past ones. So we're in a sermon series right now called Let's Go. And we're following Paul and different people are usually traveling with Paul, but he is going places in the name of Jesus. He's especially going to people who don't follow him who don't have a relationship with him, and he is bringing the good news there, and the people that respond, then they are establishing a community that is going to do the same thing. They are going to gather in the name of Jesus, and then they're going to go to their different people, their different uh, settings, and they're going to bring him. So let's look at where we left off. Let's pick up where we left off last Sunday, which is in Acts 19, and Paul is in the city of Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey and one of the major cities of the Roman Empire at that time, one of the most influential and important cities. So here's what it says. Chapter 19, starting with verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for two years, so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, which is like a, a day's wages, one drachma is. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. He sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. This is the reading of God's word. So there is a lot of interesting things in this story. I mean, people 
bringing their sorcery stuff and burning it, a, a demon guy, demon possessed, beating up another guy. I mean, there's hankies putting on people and they get healed. I mean, this is all quite something. So we could spend a lot of time in any little rabbit hole here. How I'd like us to organize it, the, what is, is most impressed on my mind in the last week leading up to this, comes from verse 10 and verse 20. So reading verse 10 first, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. So all the Jews and Greeks. So the, the Jews, they actually have what we would call the Old Testament. They have a Bible. They have worshiping God, but they don't know the way of Jesus yet until Paul and his companions come and the word spreads. And then the Greeks... You could say that they're irreligious, but that's not actually true. They're actually very religious. They just have many gods, and they have just a different way of worshiping, just like, um, you know, we could sometimes say, well, there's religious people, and then there's non-religious people. There's there's like a category now when they're taking statistics about religious statistics called the nuns. They don't affiliate as Christian or anything else. They're just nuns. But the reality is we're all religious people or give our spiritual affections to something. And, and what's happened uh, more so, I think, at least for my lifetime, more so in recent years than before, is that things that were part of our life are taking on religious qualities, religious intensity. So politics has almost a religious intensity to it. Our sexuality and, and what we say about sexuality has almost a religious element to it. I can go on and on. Sports has like this full devotion. You know, so the original plan was when I came up, that was the end of the song set. This morning as we prayed, we, uh, there were multiple people who just sensed like we want to be open to what does the living God want to do among us? And so we said, you know, we may, we, we may extend it. And they could kind of, they have a plan A, we don't know plan B, but we'll, we'll maybe extend music. And here's what happens. I mean, for myself, I'll go other places when I'm not the one who gets to say like, well, I shut off the music or whatever. I'm, I'm at the mercy of, of the people on the stage. And, and I mean, sometimes when I go places, like the worship sets are like one hour long. And I'll go multiple days there, like one hour, just the work, just the music time, the music and prayer time, like one hour. And sometimes when they're extending it, I start to get like, come on. I mean, I just do sit down like a good time. I don't, I'm sitting down. This is, but here's what I observe when I'm talking about this religious element of sport, we will give our energy to it. And if the races go past midnight, so be it. We have been there in the dirt, in the noise for hours. But it's great because we love the races. And then we went from a 12-minute music set to a 17-minute, and he acts like they don't even know what they're doing when he's looking around. This is getting awkward and uncomfortable. I don't church, it might go a little longer today. And I'm, now I'm getting hungry, and some of you weren't until I said that, but now you... But, 
So there is a way in which, and you know, some people aren't in sports, they're in whatever else, but there's a way in which the family, like things can just take on like, this is what everything's about in life. And we don't usually give language to that. It's just what's true. And we orient our lives around things. And then maybe, and I'll get to that, maybe we can squeeze some time in to focus on God. Maybe. But that's what worship is. What is worth it to us? What is worth scheduling around? What is worth giving our attention to? What is worth our affections? What is worth sacrificing for? Back to this verse 10. So all the Jews, no, let's go to verse 20, the other one. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So, if those two verses, the one says, has this, so that, if you want to, yep, all heard the word of the Lord. So that all heard the word of the Lord. Just a quick aside for those of you who've been going through this summer, one of the first sermons we did from Acts chapter 15 or 16 was that Paul wanted to go to Asia, this province of Asia, and that's where the city of Ephesus is. He wanted to go there, but he was prevented by the Holy Spirit from going there. And so then he ends up trying to go here. No, he couldn't go there. And then he goes to a totally different place. Now, years later, the place that he had originally wanted to go to to talk about Jesus, the time was right according to God, and all in the whole province of Asia heard about it. But how do all hear about it when the reality was like almost no one Almost zero people out of the thousands and thousands had heard about Jesus just a few years before. How did that happen? How does it happen that the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power? That is what I'm interested in is because how, the, how that part starts is in this way. In what way? In some way that they describe in those verses ahead, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Something happened so that all the people in a whole region heard the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. And that is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in what comes before the so that. Because we want, we want to hear the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord to us? And we want other people who aren't even looking for or listening for the word of the Lord. We want them to hear it too. So what's the so that that comes before that? What's the in this way everyone or in this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. I am interested in that. So what we're talking about today is to figure out, how does that happen? So back to verse 9. This is the rate before, so that all heard the word of the Lord. This is what it says. But some of them became obstinate. So he had been talking in the synagogues to the Jewish people who had the Old Testament but didn't believe in Jesus yet. And some of them were like, Yes, we're convinced by what you're saying this says as it points to the Messiah and that Jesus would be the Messiah. But some became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. Now, he had lectures daily so that they could talk about what's the word of God say. How do we learn what he's saying to us now? How do we learn what he said that, that helps us understand Jesus? And they did it daily. Now, I am interested in 
their strategy or lack thereof for the whole region to hear about it. Because what follows, and I don't know if we're going to, it's kind of squeezed between what we're the main parts of what we're talking about for two messages, but what follows in this, in this chapter is that, or maybe it's chapter 20, yeah, no, this chapter, is that uh, there is a great disturbance in Ephesus, a riot, an uproar. People are worked up. Why? Well, because there's, there's idols. People turn away idols, and this is a big money-making thing, and this is for our nation, and, and this, is, this is Ephesus, and we got pride here, and they're just all worked up, and people don't even know why they're worked up, but they are worked up. And for two hours, they're yelling in the city. They filled the city streets, and they're yelling, great is Artemis, the city of Ephesus, yes, yes, yes. It's loud, it's big, and it came to nothing. And when the word of the Lord spread to a whole province, it didn't happen because they organized a huge rally. It didn't happen because they created the right sort of media to get out there. It's, there were some people who believed in Jesus and they said, we're getting together every day. We are getting together every day. Us, this little group. We are gathering in the name of Jesus. And then they went to the other people, to where they worked, to where they, and then they gathered in the name of Jesus because they wanted to know this is real. The word of the Lord gives life. The word of the Lord gives joy. The word of the Lord gives hope. The word of the Lord does these things for us. It guides us. The word of the Lord. And they're hungry for it. And then they're filled with it. And then they just take that with them wherever they go. Now, I kind of wonder if that's the same recipe that God would want us to do. Because it's not just here. Throughout the book of the Acts, somebody encounters Jesus, like Lydia. And then Lydia, with the people that she's at, come on over, we're starting things, and, and she just brings Jesus. I go over and over and over again in Acts. One person, a couple people, few people say yes to Jesus, and we are just all in on Jesus, and then we're just going to live around people. And so... Racers will write for racers. It just gets contagious that way. But what are you contagious with? Are you contagious with Jesus? How does one become contagious with Jesus? Well, when you're with other people who actually love God, who love this so much that they will meet together on a regular basis. Not just sort of like, well, I mean, I go to church, except for when the weather's bad, then I don't want to go out. Or if it's too nice, then I do want to go out, but I don't want to go to church. Or, you know, like, maybe I will squeeze some little bit of God with other people in. Maybe. Compared to, like, I know I need to be around people who love God and who are trying to figure out what is he saying to us right now. Something different happens. It is widely agreed upon that when they met was in the afternoon. And that in the afternoon was actually a terrible time to meet back then. The reason that they met in the afternoon is that's the only time they could get the hall, probably. That's, that is just a guess. But that they met in the afternoon, 
Because I, we went to Europe a few years ago. I had got to go to a couple different countries in Europe. And you show up in France, and you're like in the shops, and all of a sudden it's like, I can't remember what time, like one afternoon. But like to me, it's the middle of the day, and everything, sh 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 everything shuts down. What? It's siesta time. We're done. Same thing we go to Spain. Sh 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 like we, we're looking for a place to eat. Nope. Where did everybody go? This, the whole streets were packed. Everybody's gone. That's part of their culture. We'll hear it even more so. They're getting up. They're getting at it when the cool of the day starts. But when it gets hot in the afternoon, we're not going to be in a stuffy building, and we're not going to work, and we're going to shut down. And so they were willing to get together at the time when everyone else was saying, well, this is inconvenient. It's not just, when does this work for me? Because if it's just, when does this work for me, then he must not be worth very much. He must not be worth ranging our schedule around. He must not be worth saying, would you get together with me? He must not be worth it. What is he worth? If he's worth a lot to you, and you find a few other people that he's worth a lot to, it will spread. It just will spread. We better keep going. Wow, we got to go. Verse 11, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Now, I do not think that this is like a, hey, here's a strategy. Let's, you know, let's pray for the hankies and let's do, I mean, I'm not saying God can't do different things. I'm just saying, I don't think that this is in here so that we try to emulate it. But I will say this about what we've experienced here. I've shared it before, but that prayer room over there where there's a lot more prayer happening, we just have people who literally, like they're doing the fire inspection or some sort of inspection here. They've been in every room in every closet and they step in and something's different in here. Or people from another church, that, and I, this is not how it always is, this isn't for everybody, but just literally like they step in and they step out. Step in, like, feels different in here. Feels different in the room that's been designated for prayer. It's been it feels different in the room where people have prayed. Sometimes where we've had people praying twenty four hours a day for multiple days. It feels different in this room where worship is going on, where people are trying to best they can connect with the Lord. And so, multiple multiple people have told me, I go in there and I cry. Or I go in there and I, I'm not doing well. That's the only reason I go there. Otherwise, I wouldn't be there. But I'm doing better when I walk out. Now, what if that was true of the whole property? Because instead of a few handful people that pray in that room on a regular basis, or a few handful of people that come to Wednesday nights and worship and pray, or a few handful of people that come early before church and worship here and pray, it became a whole bunch of people thought it was worth it. Then the whole property would feel like that. And when people come in for nationals, something's different. Something's different. The presence of Jesus will change people. But we better keep going. I'm going to skip uh, going backwards. 
So verse 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, were doing this. On one day, the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. All right. So, lest we think that the reason that we would pray is so that we could get some sort of feeling because we've cracked some sort of formula where kind of we can figure out, manipulate good things to happen. That's what was happening here. Paul had such spiritual power. The name of Jesus has such spiritual power that people that were trying to help those who were oppressed by spiritual things were like, oh, that's the formula. Oh, if I just do ABC, then that will work. And then the response by the demon, verse 15, is one day the evil spirit answered, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who are you? Who are you? Who do you know? It reminds me of, of Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says, you know, on the last day he'll say, um, I never know. Reminds me of it, so I'm going to look it up right here. Not everyone who says, this is Jesus talking, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. So many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many miracles, but I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Now you would think people who can do all kinds of miracles and prophesy and have the spiritual power of God at work in them would be safe. But Jesus is about who is in relationship with me. Who is in relationship with me? Not just knowing about Jesus. Knowing him. Talking with him. Doing life with him. He says, I'm willing. The God of the universe comes to earth in a human being. Sends his spirit so we can literally interact with the risen Jesus in spirit. And he says, I want to know you. Do you want to know and do life with me? What is our answer? Because if we have a relationship with Jesus and stay connected to Jesus, he says in John chapter 15, you will bear fruit. Fruit that lasts. You will do things that really impact lives. Sometimes you'll realize you're doing it, and lots of times he'll just do it through you without you even knowing. Just a relationship with the living God who loves you and wants it. Keep going. Almost done. Verse 17. I don't even know if I have this in here. Yep, I do. Good. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus... They were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the total value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So here's what happens 
when this demon-possessed guy beats up seven people, like really beats them up. I mean, they leave bloody and naked. That is a beaten one guy. And it's like, oh, spiritual stuff's real. This whole thing with Jesus matters. The, for 18 to 29-year-olds, the number three movie genre is horror. 1% lower than action. Horror. I'm not, I don't watch much horror. Well, I see enough of the commercials for me to be like, I don't know. That's such a good idea. But it's not, 71% of Americans, by the way, think horror is a good, they like it. It's just not in their top three, even, so even older. But I think what can be easy to not realize is that there are spiritual forces at work against us, wanting to influence us, and their number one thing they want to accomplish is to keep us from thinking Jesus is worth it. To keep us from thinking God is good. To keep us from thinking that God thinks we're good. Like we're not worthy. So if they can keep us thinking we're not worthy, then that'll also keep, whatever would give us distance from God in a relational sense, whatever would keep us from a life with God, that's what the evil forces are at work at. And some of the things, so sorcery back there, I mean, they're really worshiping other gods, demonic forces. They're really worshiping these things, and so there are spiritual consequences. That's still true. That is still true. So what are we bringing in to our homes? What are we bringing in to our minds, into our bodies, into our beings? If it's just a joke, if it's just a game, bring it all in. Bring in whatever makes me happy, whatever distracts me, whatever feels good, just bring it all in. But if we, if we really think, and we're bringing spiritual things that they represent in as well, we might use a little bit of caution. And I think we are. And I think we don't even have the filters anymore. And we can think that we, I can handle this. It's funny when you start having kids and you're watching TV and you start watching something and all of a sudden the kid's in the room and you're like, that's And, and the thought that comes across a mind as a parent is just like, well, they shouldn't be watching this. So why should I? I mean, I get there's different content, but like how much of things that I think, well, of course the kids shouldn't be watching it. And now we get to a point where it's like, well, don't get the kids are watching it. What are we bringing in? And so when we worship for a little bit longer, I just am convinced we are bringing something in. That is not the only way that we connect with God. And if, you, if it's not a way that you really connect with God, whether it's because you're not music's not your thing or the genre of music's not your thing, that's okay. There are all kinds of other ways to connect with God. But gathering together in his name in some way to say, you're worth it. 
You are worth it, God. It's not just that I think you're worth it. I'm with people and we think you're worth it. That just for, I don't understand why, but that just brings him in. He just comes on in. And when he comes in, then when we go, he goes with us. And the word of the Lord spreads. And the word of the Lord grows in power. And I'm telling you, we're going to need that. We are going to need it. Because when little, little kids are taking in literally demonic images, just taking it in unfiltered, and we've got a whole generation, the amount of kids that are addicted to pornography before they're even reaching puberty, because people have just let it all in. And that is what's going on in our whole generation. Who is going to say, we need to drive evil out? I don't want anything to do with evil in my life, and I want to bring the love of Jesus to loosen the chains of people who are gripped by evil. Because at first, we think we're in charge of evil. But in the end, evil's in charge of us. And the only thing that could save us is the name of the Lord Jesus and his rescuing power by the cross, by his resurrection. And he says, I'm making it available to you. Do you want to bring it in? Do you want to bring it in? How often do you want to bring it in? Once a month, I'm going to show up for church. This is a group of people who said, every day, we want to bring it in. We want to draw close to the Lord. And the, everyone in the entire region heard the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord spread widely. And the word of the Lord grew in power. That's what we want to be true of us as well. So invite the worship team to come up. We're going to spend a little time praying. And I'll try to guide us through part of it, but then you're, hopefully you can pray on your own. Through your... Jesus wants a relationship with you. He wants to renew a relationship with you. You can talk to him in the quietness of your heart. You can pay attention to if there are things that come to mind as you ask him questions or as you're praying and worshiping. He stands at the door and knocks. And will come in to whoever lets him in. So whether it's for the first time or whether it's just remembering that you want to invite him in again, we have a chance to do that in these next moments. And then to talk with him.
you may want to ask the Lord, is there anything in your life that you need to remove or set aside? Is there anything he's wanting you to remove or set aside? Or is there anything he's wanting you to add or put in place? Or both? See what comes to mind. Let your spirit overwhelm me, let your presence overtake my heart. I want to know you, let your spirit overwhelm me, let your presence overtake my heart. I want to know you. Let your spirit overwhelm me, let your presence overtake my heart. I want to know you, let your spirit overwhelm me, let your presence overtake my presence of the Lord is in the room right now. And I think, I'm guessing, a number of you can sense him, sense something. He loves you. He wants to be with you. 